0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. We're kicking off a new series called Grill Talk. Uh, Grilling season is upon us. If you are in the United States, you are in the summer. Summertime is here. Uh, If you're a place, if you're in a place where I live, it gets cold in the winter. It's crazily, bitterly cold, and we cannot wait for summertime. And so when summertime gets here, it suns out, guns out, and you know, you're just showing off your summer bod. If you're just like me, though, you have summer and you have a bod, but you know, we're not going to talk about that right now. I like to eat, I like grilling, I like cookouts. And one of my favorite things about cookouts is the conversation that takes place. Man, everything from sports to pop culture, music, politics, every conversation takes place at the cookout. Listen, we laugh, we argue, we poke fun at each other, but nonetheless, we have a great time. And I believe that it was the same way in Jesus' time. Jesus was growing in popularity, and I can just imagine that the number one conversation at every barbecue, at every cookout was, who is this guy named Jesus? I heard he's a fisherman from Galilee. I heard he's a carpenter from Nazareth. I heard he's an an illegitimate son of uh, this guy named Joseph. Whatever the case may be, Jesus was the talk of the town. But the other part of the conversation about Jesus is like, he's all these things, but yet he's also saying he is the Messiah, that he's the chosen one of God. And he's doing all these miracles. So it's like, man, is he just a regular dude or is he somebody divine? Everybody must have been talking about Jesus. And I remember there's a story in scripture where Jesus feeds 5,000 people with two fishes and five loaves of bread. And it, it's a miracle. Everyone eats, everybody is full, and then he retreats off to go pray. He's there with his friends, he's there with his boys, his disciples, and he says to them, Who do the crowds say that I am? Jesus was asking the people who were closest to him, who were uh, plugged into culture, who had heard the conversations taking place. And he says, who do people say that I am? I really think this is a valid question that we have to wrestle with even today. I believe this is a question that we've got to be asking ourselves. We've got to be asking each other Who do you say Jesus is? Who do I say Jesus is in my life? especially right now with uh, trending Twitter hashtags like cancel Christianity or where Christianity is in the forefront of politics and culture. Everybody seems to have an opinion on what would Jesus do? Who would Jesus side with? Who would he uh, be voting for? What would Jesus do in this time? And who is Jesus in this day and age? I think this question really deserves us to take a look at. And in this series, we are going to explore who Jesus is. And I believe the best place to start is in the Bible, the book that prophesies and reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to start with two preliminary assertions. Uh, The first assertion is that Jesus is truly a person who lived and walked on this earth. That there was a guy named Jesus that was there 2000 years ago that he did some really interesting things and people did have conversations with him. And he was a guy who people followed that he was one of the most fascinating men in the world. I'm going to make that assertion. We know that literature talks about Jesus. Other religions talk about Jesus. They talk about this guy who existed. So that's the first assertion. Jesus was truly a person that walked this earth. The second assertion I'm going to make is that there was something significant about Jesus that he was really a guy that we knew, but there was also something really divine about Jesus. There was something special. There was something magnetic. There was something holy about Jesus. Everybody who talks about Jesus would say that he was a holy man, that he was a noble man, that wherever he went, he made waves. Now, I want to tell you that during this time of this text that we're going to get into in Colossians, there was this uh, ancient heresy that took place. And a heresy is essentially an idea that's contrary to the common belief. Uh, that in the ancient Near East, that there were people who we co- who were coming up with assertions about Jesus that was contrary to what was commonly held belief about who he was. See, the intellectuals said this, Jesus was either fully man, 100% man, and nothing more. Or he was fully God, 100% God, and nothing more. See, to the intellectuals, they said he couldn't be divine and he couldn't be human at the same time. They didn't feel that anything that was material, anything that was matter, was capable of ever being holy. Anything could, nothing that was physical could ever be divine. And I think what they were doing is the same thing that we do in this day and age. We ascribe human limitation to a divine and supernatural God. We limit God by our beliefs when we don't understand that God is limitless. We do that too every single day. And so these guys, uh, these Gnostics were trying to essentially boil Christianity in this 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 following of Jesus into just another philosophy, just another philosophy that existed in that day. And I'm going to tell you some of the assertions they made are very familiar to us today as well, too. The first assertion that they made was Jesus was one of many links to God. Hey, man, Jesus. Yeah, he was a good guy. Yeah, Jesus was awesome. He was there was something holy. Yes, about Jesus. But at the end of the day, Jesus was just good. Jesus was like a keto diet. You know, there's one way to lose. There's more than one way to lose weight. You can do keto. You can work out this way. You can stop eating this and Every way is good, but we're all trying to get to the same place, which is to lose weight. And so that's what they relegated Jesus to, that he was just one of the many links to get to God. I remember talking to one of my friends not too long ago, and this is what she told me. Muta, I am so glad that you found your thing. That was Jesus to her. Jesus was just a thing. It was one thing to get to God. And that's what they said. Jesus was one of the many links to God. The other assertion that they made is Jesus is not the center of salvation. And you know what? Some professed Christians wrestle with this as well, too. Uh, They believe that Jesus helps you get saved, not that Jesus ultimately saves you. Uh, They believe that Jesus is an aid to salvation, but ultimately salvation depends on you. You've got to work hard enough. You've got to be good enough. You've got to put in the work. Essentially, you've got Jesus, but he's not the end all be all because you've got to help yourself get saved as well, too. And the third assertion that they made was humanity's responsibility is to find and ascend to God. They think, they thought that God was out there in the cosmos, that God created the heavens and the earth, he spun it into existence, and then he left it all alone. And it was our job as humanity to find God. And through intellectual pursuits, uh, through uh, uh, knowledge, through aestheticism, that we could Attain to the knowledge of God. If we just read enough, if we were smart enough, if we had the right keys and the right tools and they thought that we're the only ones who were enlightened, who had reached God already. And so that's what happens to many of us today. We are looking for God. We're saying God is somewhere out there. God is far from here. And I've got to find my way to God. But Colossians says something very different. The writer of Colossians, Paul, is literally writing a response to these heresies. He's writing a response to these common conversations that are taking place, that are taking uh, who Jesus is and dismantling what he said about himself, essentially. And so Paul, uh, the writer, begins to write to the Colossian church in C- Colossae, and he speaks against these Gnostics, and you can tell that he's speaking right against it, because this is what it says in chapter 1, verse 15. Listen, I wanted to teach from chapter uh, 1, verse 15, all the way to verse 17, but I just got caught up to in the first part of this verse, because there's so much there. Verse 15 says, he is the image of of the invisible God. This is Jesus. Paul, the writer, is talking about Jesus. He says he is the image of the invisible God. This word image, it it, it means a representation, a reproduction with precise likeness. You ever take a quarter and look at The face on there, you ever take a penny and see Abraham Lincoln on there? Uh, That's kind of what this word says image. It's icon in the Greek. It really means a representation, a reproduction of what's real. So when we look at coins, those are images of the president or the sovereign that was on that coin. You know, I've got three sons. And we always kind of go through it. I believe that the two youngest look like me and the oldest looks like my wife. But everybody who sees them says, my youngest look like my wife, and my oldest looks like me. And it's easy to say, well, your son is made in your image, but this is not what this word means. This this word image goes even deeper, and it talks about a manifestation. Essentially, this word image, when he says he is the image of the invisible God, he is literally saying what you could not see before you now see the God that was invisible to human eyes is now visible in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this is the first lesson that we take away. This is the first teaching point that we can learn that we can write down and keep in our notes. As we understand this question, who is Jesus? Jesus was God himself in human incarnation. Jesus was God himself in human incarnation. God came and incarnated himself into a human being named Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 5 through 6 says this, have the same mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And talk about Christ Jesus says, who though he was in the form, this word form means nature, the external appearance. He was in the form of God. Uh, Before Jesus came to earth, he was in heaven. The pre-incarnate Christ was in heaven. He was in the form of God. His external appearance was God. It says, though he was in the form of God, emptied himself. By taking the form, again that word, the same nature, the external appearance of a servant being born in the likeness of men. The text is telling us that Jesus Christ, before he was born and came to this earth, he was in heaven. He was God. His external appearance, his nature was God. But then when he came to earth, he took on the form. He took on the nature and the external experience of men. And then in Hebrews chapter one, it tells us this. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the extension of the glory of God. He exudes who God is. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, the exact, precise, direct imprint of God's nature. So what does this mean to us? What do we take away from this? Christianity is not another philosophy of relativity. Christianity is not one of those things where you take and choose what you want to believe about Jesus Christ. It's not one of those things where we can just say Jesus is good, but I don't know if he's God. Uh, Jesus is a really good teacher, but I don't know if I should follow him like he is God. Christianity is not philosophical thought. You can't enlighten yourself enough To know God, you can't enlighten yourself enough to get to God. Christianity is very different. To be a Christian is to follow a person. To be a Christian is to follow a person, and that person is God. The writer of the book of John states this in the very first chapter He says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. I'm going to repeat that again. If you didn't catch that, you, you've you got to lean in. You cannot miss this statement. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. But listen to the next part of this text in verse 14. The word became Flesh and made his dwelling among us. God became flesh and came and dwelt among us. See, if Jesus was only human, he would be irrelevant to our thought of God. Jesus, it was either fully God, fully man, because if he was not fully God and he was only man, He would be totally irrelevant to our thought of God. Why? Because Jesus then would have been fallible. He would have been a sinner broken just like me and you. He would have been somebody who could make mistakes and who could trip up on himself very easy and could not make himself any better. He he would be somebody who would be untrustworthy. Because you know why? Humanity always disappoints. Everyone is going to disappoint you. I tell people uh, who listen to me preach. I said, listen, do not look at me as the bastion of perfection because at some point in time, I'm going to disappoint you. Listen, don't hold your kids to such a high esteem. People idolize their kids. Listen, your kids are going to disappoint you. I've got three of them. I know. I was a kid. I disappointed my parents. Jesus is the only sure hope. If Jesus was only human, he's irrelevant to our thought of God because he would just be broken like you and I. This is the third lesson that I want you to take. Second lesson that I want you to take out of this. Jesus is the window through which we see the very nature of God. Jesus is the window through which we see the very nature of God. If Jesus was only human, he would be irrelevant to our thought of God. But here goes the other thing. If Jesus was only God, he would be irrelevant to any experience of human life. If Jesus was God, we would just say that his lifestyle was unattainable. At the end of the day, we could never be like him. He wouldn't go through the same struggles that we went through. He wouldn't be tempted like we were tempted. He wouldn't uh, understand what pain and brokenness was because he's God and God is above all those things. We might as well give up. We might as well just let life go because if Jesus was only God and he couldn't identify with the human condition, then he couldn't identify with you and I. But what's the lesson that we take away from here? Jesus is a mirror revealing our human possibility and our divine destiny. Jesus is a mirror revealing our human possibility and our divine destiny. If God dwelt in Jesus, that means God can dwell in us. If Jesus was fully human, that means he faced the same temptations that we did. He faced the same frustrations that we did. He faced the same betrayal that we did. But Jesus having God inside of him, Jesus being fully God was also able to have the fullness of joy, fullness of hope. Fullness of purity, fullness of what we can be if God dwelt in us. Jesus is God. If you want to take anything away from what I want to teach today, this is the number one takeaway. Jesus is God. Lesson four that we take away on this is Jesus doesn't show us what good is. Jesus shows us who God is. Jesus doesn't show us what good is. Jesus wasn't just a good guy. He didn't just give good philosophies. He didn't give good suggestions to live our life. Jesus is the very God who revealed us who he is to us. And here's what I want to tell you for the Christians listening to this and for those who have been dabbling and and wondering is Christianity where I want to align with. I, I see people talk about Jesus. I see people talk about this relationship that they have with God through this man named Jesus. You cannot be a Christian without belief and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. You cannot be Christian. I'm going to say that again. You cannot be a Christian without belief and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. But here goes the deal. Here here, here, here goes the tension point right here. The validity of who Jesus Christ is, the, the validity of the person and work of Jesus Christ depends on his authority. The validity of the person and work of Jesus Christ depends on his authority. And the authority of Jesus Christ, the validity of the authority of Jesus Christ depends on who he is. Jesus is God. This is what he says about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In another text, Jesus says, if you want to see the father, if you want to see God, look at me. He says, you can't come to the father. You can't come to God without coming through Jesus. Because Jesus is God. To know God is to know Jesus. To follow God is to follow Jesus. And to reflect God, the image that you were created to be, is to reflect Jesus. Because Jesus is God. Maybe you're listening to this and you've been wading through life trying to find God. You've been living every single day with the void in your heart, knowing that there is something out there that is beyond you, that's bigger than you. And you've tried to read the books and you've tried all these different philosophies and you've tried all these different religions. And you're like, I just want to know God. I just want to have a connection to God. And I've got to find God. Let me tell you, you don't have to find God because God, God has already found you. God has come close to you. God has already revealed himself to you in the person of Jesus Christ because Jesus is God. And today, you can get connected and develop that relationship that will fulfill all you're searching if you make a decision to follow Jesus to follow his teaching to follow his lifestyle to follow God all you have to do is accept that this Jesus who we're talking about was the God of heaven and earth who came and incarnated and was born into human flesh and lived this life and went and died for your sins. And he took the punishment and he took the the wrath of God for all of your mistakes. And on the third day, he rose again to prove that he had beat your, your sins. He had beat hell. He had beat Satan. He had beat everything that tries to beat you down. And then if you follow him, you can be made new in him. You are forgiven. You are loved. And you can be in relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to pray. And I just want you to pray alongside me. Just say this prayer. The Bible says, confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. So today, I invite you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, with the God of heaven and earth. Pray with me to say, dear God, I come to you today. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for everything that I've done wrong against you and against others. I accept Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for my sins. I accept Jesus Christ as the Lord over my life. Seal this commitment today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.